Hey guys, welcome back to the show. We're still live here at the CrossFit Games in the Vendor Village in the very sketchy Strong Coffee paneled van. Uh, getting a lot of big props for that. Uh, we've got a fun health discussion today. So uh, I've got a guest on that you guys may know because he's got a pretty decent following on Instagram. Dr. Nick, also known, a.k.a. The Fittest Doc, which is a very appropriate title. You are fit, my friend. How are you? I'm well. I'm well. How are you? Good. How's your experience been at the game so far? Uh, it's been my first experience. I've loved every moment of it. Uh, the only thing I'm not liking is that, um, and this is definitely my fault, I uh, made a number of commitments and I have a number of obligations that I've had to be at over the last couple of days, which have directly impacted my ability to see my team because uh, my gym, CrossFit Omnia, Denver, Colorado, we are here. We qualified for the games and a absolutely mind-blowing uh, performance at the Granite Games. Uh, so I have not been able to watch as much of them as I would have liked, um, partly because of commitments, and secondly, because of something that I've learned, given that this is my first CrossFit Games, never just get the festival package. Get the festival and the Coliseum so you can watch you know, the people who you came on to cheer yep. in both venues. So Yeah, I learned that the hard way last time, too, when yeah. I came uh, you know, to give us these press passes and mm-hmm. And they're like, oh, well, you'll have press pit uh, tickets to get into the Coliseum. And you can't see anything from there. And they're terrible seats. And yeah. so this year I bought the Coliseum seats and it was totally worth it. Yeah. It's like there's yeah. just something electric about being inside. I don't there's, know what it is. It's just sure. different than, you know, of course, I'm, you know, pasty bald guy, too. So being out in the sun, yeah, out yeah. in the field, is, it that. is not good for me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got to put on like Sunblock 10,000 and yeah. that's gross. And yeah. it. it just doesn't work yeah no you and i both both are uh, hair follicle challenged so uh (laughs) so yeah no i understand being out in the sun is it's a little less of an issue for me with uh with with sunburns thank god but um but yeah uh we actually for one event specifically the um the assault bike no not assault bike the echo bike uh snatch workout um we snuck into the coliseum nice i can't i can't say exactly how we did so but we did and i 100 percent agree with you um it is electric. We were able to sneak into the Coliseum at just the right time to cheer on my team, uh, CrossFit Omnia. And the, the, the atmosphere, the energy in there is on a whole nother level. Um, so, yeah, next year, absolutely both packages. To- totally worth doing. Yep. So, you know, one thing I love about you uh, is you just have a real, you have an incredible passion for CrossFit, but you have an incredible passion for helping people with their health within mm-hmm. that space. Like, how did you, how did you find CrossFit? And, and, you know, start generating this movement? Sure. Um, so uh, uh, I went to medical school at Ohio, the Ohio State University. There you go. Um, and uh, growing up, I had always been into athletic endeavors, specifically martial arts. So growing up, I trained in um, karate, uh, uh, jujitsu, judo, taekwondo. Coming into medical school, I decided to continue that pursuit as my escape from studying, right? Med school, most people know you're studying 16 to 18 hours a day, every day, like it's just drudgery. However, most people who come in with some activity that they enjoy doing, like martial arts, use that as an, as an escape. So I um, uh, used Krav Maga as my escape and, and enjoyed training. Uh, the place that I was training in Ohio was this place called Ohio Krav Maga and Fitness. So you know where I'm going with this. There you go. So I continued going to Krav Maga three to four months in. 
there were multiple people in the gym. Specifically, there was one gentleman I remember his name vividly, Eric Holt, who kept kind of propositioning me. He would walk over from the CrossFit class and into Krav Maga that had just ended and would always, you know, hey, say, hey, Nick, you know, um, uh, you, you look like you would be amazing at this CrossFit stuff. Why don't you give it a shot? And I always joke back with him that look at every single one of you at the end of the class. You're all on the ground breathing hard, staring at the ceiling, looking like you hate your life. Why the hell would I want to join that? Even try that. Um, but persistence is king, you know, as, as Eric demonstrated, because over the next three to four months, he kept on with being persistent. Uh, and, you know, eventually he absolutely got me into one class. By the end of that one class, even though I had trained and you know, multiple martial arts, had a black belt in Taekwondo and various ranks and other martial arts. And I felt at that time, like I was fit, like I had endurance. Um, but that one class across it had me in the same position on the ground, staring at the ceiling, hating my life. Um, but it definitely caused me, it, it was enough of a stimulus. Um, and there was enough of an endorphin release, I guess, for me to come back the next day. Uh, and um, soon thereafter, I was confronted with a problem, right? I needed to study. I needed to, what, fitness, fitness at that time was just an escape. It's not a, it's not a pursuit. It's not a primary pursuit. Um, studying was a primary pursuit. So, so I absolutely did not have the time to dedicate, uh, cause, because for a while I was doing Krav and then CrossFit and dedicating two hours a day to it. And I simply, at some point, was like, you know what, I'm, I can't do this. I'm just going to stop doing Krav and pursue CrossFit entirely. So at around that time, stopped training Krav, which I actually 100% want to get back into because I still love uh, self-defense and, and martial arts and, and Krav specifically. Um, but at that time, I 100% pursued CrossFit as an escape from medical school. And uh, yeah, here we are. Well, and you've been, you know, it's kind of, kind of along those lines, you've been clearly viewing movement as a very important part of fitness and i think that's one thing i love about your page and your platform what you do is you're always you're encouraging people to move you know to to you know get out and do more than just sit on the couch all day right you know how's that impact been for you just you know talking to the community like seeing results yeah i think i think it's been huge um one thing that some people most people don't know about me except for my patients they're acutely aware is in as much as I love CrossFit as a training methodology and obviously as a sport, I don't think it is the only way. I absolutely do not um, push it upon my patients or, or try to motivate them to do it. But as you just implied, I absolutely motivate them to move. I ask them, even if they're you know mid-40s, mid-50s, mid-60s, and they feel like they're at the most... Um, uh, or they're at their least athletic portion of their lives, I ask them, what did you enjoy as a kid, right? And, and usually if you ask somebody that question, you find their, that the things they enjoy doing either on the playground or with other kids, whatever activity it is. And then you have to kind of, as a physician, you have to break down that wall of, um, of them thinking that they're not able to do it anymore because of their age. Or I give them an alternative. Let's say for whatever reason, they are realistically not able to do it anymore. I give them a potential alternative that they may enjoy. Um, so I think it's, it's far more important to uh, find uh, a movement and activity that somebody will enjoy doing. And the reason why I'm a big believer in enjoyment is because none of this happens, whether we're talking about the health benefits of of CrossFit or the ideal body that you want, no, nothing happens unless you have consistency. 
with your chosen modality of fitness. Um, whether you're a bodybuilder, even though I'm not a big fan of bodybuilders, or, or a crossfitter, or you're, you're big into basketball or soccer or football, if you're not consistent over the long term, you will not have results. So I think finding something that somebody enjoys should be the primary, uh, the primary pursuit. Uh, and then, you know, if, if they enjoy that, then you need to motivate them to get back into that and to find that, 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 um, that joy, that joy, like wonder that they had as a child and to pursue it recklessly. And, and then the results in, in fitness and the results in their improvement of their health will, will, uh, uh, will, will become evident. Now, yes, have I had some patients who are curious about CrossFit and ask me about it uh, in terms of its benefits and its downsides? And I, I, yeah, absolutely. And I tell patients everything that I know about CrossFit in my, in my experience. Um, but, you know, I don't think that it's something that uh, we should recklessly push upon everybody irrespective of their, uh, of their own um, you know, of their own, uh, whatever they feel is most ideal yeah. to get their movement in. Well, comfort's important. You know, sure. like my, my mom and dad, um, are in their mid seventies. My dad does CrossFit nice. 76 mm-hmm. goes five days a week. Wow. He's a fool. Uh, That's awesome. <laughs> he's like super aggressive. My mom doesn't want to do it. Yeah. You know, she works out at home. She has yeah. her, her own, you know, kind of movement workouts because yeah. she, you know, she doesn't want to work out with the group, and yeah. it's just not where her passion is. But, yeah. uh, you know, it's important that they're both moving, sure. particularly at, at that age. Sure. When you're taking on a patient, um, where do you, how do you determine where to start? Is it nutrition? Is it or a balance of nutrition and movement? Like, mm. you know, is there a process for that? Yeah. So most doctors, um, uh, so I see patients uh, with SteadyMD. So I see patients all around the United States, 100% telemedicine. Um, uh, and you know, very proactive and, and focusing on preventative health. Uh, but um, irrespective of whether telemedicine or in uh, in person, uh, most doctors will do something called a history on a patient. So that is sitting down and just going from front from the front of the book to the back of the book uh, with uh, their their you know everything that pertains to their health, from their family um, uh, their family medical history to their personal medical history to their social history to surgeries to medicines to to everything and part of the questions that i ask are exactly like you just said right i ask about their nutrition uh i ask about fast food intake i ask about processed food intake i ask about sugar intake caffeine um obviously i ask about exercise or lack thereof um and you know with that we just can get a very comprehensive uh look into a patient there obviously will be certain things that we fixate on and that we drill down on depending on the conversation but it's it's pretty easy most most doctor or at least primary care doctors i don't know about uh, specialist. I, I, I highly doubt that a surgeon would drill down into the nuances of your nutrition. Uh, but primary care doctors, you know, we have to drill down into the nuances of every single facet of your life. And then once we have that, that kind of comprehensive overview, then kind of we know what things to focus on more, right? If I come across a patient who crossfits five to six days out of the week, I'm not necessarily going to give them advice on that. You know, but then if they tell me that, oh, every day they eat Chick-fil-A and KFC and, and fast food, obviously that's something that I'm going to drill down into. Or um, one of the issues that I found across the board with both CrossFitters and non-CrossFitters is a, uh, is, uh, 
is an issue with sleep is a lack of focus on sleep and quality of sleep because we live in a very hustle bustle society a, a very fast paced society that doesn't necessarily I mean how many times have you heard the quote oh I'll sleep when I'm dead right, right. and that's just the most destructive mindset and approach I, I had a doctor say to me once that if you're skipping sleep to work out you're stepping over hundreds to grab dollar bills it's I love just, it it's it's brutal and yes. it, you know I've been, I've been joking the last uh, day or two on a couple of these episodes even that they gave me this whoop strap here yeah and I hate looking at the data because a lot like I think the whoop thinks I'm going to die before the week's out because yeah. it's, it's you know logging my numbers the initial numbers and yeah. I'm barely sleeping because oh, it's wow. like a crazy you know we're sure. we're out late and sure. you know getting here early and sure but it is it's been really eye opening to me like you know you go to bed at you know, here I've been going to bed much later than I do at home. But let's uh-huh. say I go to bed at midnight and uh-huh. then I'm getting up at seven. Uh-huh. And in my mind, I'm like, oh, I got seven hours sleep. And then I open the Whoop app and it's like, you got four hours sleep. Right. And I'm like, oh, okay. Right. I'm not, because I'm, I'm a data nerd. Like, yeah. I, nice. I'm, I'm, bank, I'm a banker by trade yeah. and, and yeah, I just love data. I yeah. love it. Yeah. And, you know, I track everything I eat and it's just kind of what ahead. I've always done. But this is the first time I've used a wearable to actually mm-hmm. look at sleep. Mm-hmm. And now my brain's racing going, huh. Maybe I need to go get a new mattress at home and mm. put some, you know, some light blockers on the windows mm. and get it cooler in there and mm. actually start getting eight hours of sleep a night, particularly mm. at, you know, I'm 50 years old. So mm. it's important. It's yeah. very important. And, and sleep is one of those things that's associated with so many things, right? From risk of Alzheimer's dementia to uh, insulin sensitivity. I had a lady approach me at the CrossFit Health Desk yesterday talking about how she's been CrossFitting now for three or four years. She's been doing everything right, eating well. However, she's noticed that her hemoglobin A1C, which is one of many markers for insulin sensitivity, is slowly increasing. It's trending in the wrong direction. And I brought up with her, and she had no idea that sleep is intimately linked with how sensitive or resistant your body is to insulin. So, you know, sleep is one of those things that just has so many, uh, so many benefits. Good sleep um, even is protective against Alzheimer's and, and other forms of dementia. Um, and, you know, I, I think that it's one of those things that I'm very happy. I'm not going to sit here and say that the whoop is perfect. I've definitely noticed issues where I'm like, okay, they could improve this or improve that. Uh, I'm sure, John, that you're aware of the, the aura ring. Right. Uh, that one's not perfect either. But I think that, um, uh, what, what is that one quote? Uh, um, per- perfect is the enemy of good or good is the enemy of perfect? Um, I, either which way, the the the, uh, the quote basically implies that you should not only focus on perfect solutions. That sometimes you'll have a good enough solution that you should utilize to to improve yourself. And I think the Whoop is great for that. So if you just got a Whoop, I think um, one thing that I would encourage is what's called the Whoop Journal. Uh, the Whoop Journal is something they release, I think, within the last year or two. But it basically uses multivariate analysis to um, ascribe certain habits that you have with either beneficial as either detrimental and hurtful to your sleep or beneficial, right? So, for example, I started taking CBD, and I noticed that um, at least according to the Whoop Journal, anytime I took CBD, I slept. My heart rate variability was slightly higher. My resting heart rate was sl- slightly lower. That basically my recovery was trending in the right direction because of consistent CBD use. There are other things uh, in in Whoop from acupuncture to meditation to journaling. Essentially, you can figure out what habits um, 
that you choose to partake in are most hurtful to your sleep. One thing that across the board, uh, with all of my patients, with friends that has, has been hurtful, and it's fascinating to be able to see it with a whoop data, is drinking alcohol. Most people are not aware how detrimental, how hurtful alcohol is to sleep. I mean, we live in a society that emphasizes nightcaps to a lot of people, right. as if that's a good thing, uh, when in reality, if you look at the data, alcohol hurts your sleep, and it's kind of incontrovertible at this point. So it's kind of awesome to have a tool like Whoop be able to give you very black and white uh, details that, hey, this, this is hurting your sleep. And, and then obviously from there, you can modify your habits and, and hopefully um, uh, over time, as you just got yours, John, hopefully as you, as you make these changes to your habits, you're going to see your recovery um, trend from predominantly red to predominantly yellow to predominantly green. Just last week before uh, uh, the games, every single morning I woke up, I was in the green. And then I came to the games and just like with you, right, this this destruction of our regimen, like now I'm getting back into it. I think this morning I woke up at 54% recovery, so in the yellow. But um, it's pretty cool to know exactly what things you need to do to get you very well recovered day in and day out. I'd feel like a rock star at fifty four percent right now, based on what. What do you have this morning? Uh, it, it's I'm embarrassed to say it's not. It's in the twenties oh, somewhere. Man. It's bad. Yeah. It's yeah. really, really, really bad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Interesting. Yeah. And, and to your point, like you know, I know you can't. Uh, you shouldn't be drinking alcohol before you go to bed and sleep. Yeah. Like I know that. I just yeah. choose not to do it this week. You yeah. know, it's yeah, like yeah, we're yeah. in party week. But yeah, yeah, yeah. I am. I am excited to get back and and start. You know, implementing some of it and see what changes it can make and how I feel, particularly as a master's athlete. You know, yes, I think sir. you have to always be looking at ways to recover faster and exactly. better. And that's what I tell people all the time. Um, that I, I listen. I, I know we're all getting older, and people like to act like, oh, when you're when you're getting older, you're going to be less fit, and you can't compare with games athletes and blah blah blah. I'm of the personal opinion. Perhaps this hasn't been validated by data, but I'm of the personal opinion that from a fitness standpoint, you can stand. Uh, perhaps not now, but you can develop yourself where you can stand toe-to-toe with uh, a games athlete or someone who's hyper-competitive at your gym. But what you cannot do as somebody who is at your age, what I cannot do as somebody who is at my age, 37, is recover as fast as a 20-year-old. We can't. That time is gone. Uh, but if you prioritize your recovery, prioritize whatever you can do to 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 um, to to kind of you know recover back from CrossFit workouts and, and other and other uh, 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 physiological stimulants, you can absolutely uh, kind of get the same benefits and be just as strong and be just as fast as people who are younger. You just can't recover as quickly. Yeah, well, I've absolutely gotten fitter as I've gotten older because I have a, I do have a very good strategy around not destroying myself in workouts sure. and, you know, not overworking, mm-hmm. you know, where I have to find the balance is how do I, to your point, how do I recover quicker, better, different, Absolutely. Um, you know, and it, it's a lot of little things. We don't have to go into them here, but yeah. you know, there are hundreds of things you can do and I'm, yeah. I'm hopeful this will help, it's, but it's just one tool. You yeah. know, I'm, Absolutely. I'm excited CrossFit Health's talking about wearables. I sure. mean, that's something that they've never done before and mm-hmm. certainly a, a big shift in the mindset. You know, one thing I love about you is like you're really <laughs> outspoken about the things you're passionate about you do you, how does that uh emotionally for you like do you get energized by the discussions you're creating on instagram or do you get frustrated with it at times as people are pushing back like how how does it go for you people rarely push back um and i would say that the reason why people rarely push back is like i don't i try not to talk about things in a um 
in a dogmatic fashion, right? I think it's very important uh, to approach everything with a very open mind and be willing to be willing to change your mindset. And I'm also very, as you implied, you are earlier. I'm very data focused, so. Um, you know, there, there are going to be some things that are that are uh, subjective, that are highly subjective. Like I just told you, right, about my belief about recovery and being able to push yourself as much as younger athletes. That's my belief. I'm never going to sit back and say something is uh, objective and, you know, it's a fact if, if I don't know it to, to be true. So I think that the, the conversations that are simulated um, on my Instagram and, and to be honest, uh, mostly in the DMs that I get, um, are, are fascinating because people are, are learning about things that are impacting their health, whether beneficially or, or, or negatively, and um, kind of, you know, we, we go back and forth from there. So, yeah, I'm very passionate about uh, about kind of just, just learning and being open and, and being able to, to talk about things. To be honest, I think that I've always found it very difficult to relate to people who cannot talk about something without ascribing emotion to it uh, a lot of people will get very worked up about certain things that they say because they have you know they whether it's their ego and and they refuse to to um kind of sit back and look at something objectively and and they're not willing to have their mind changed by a superior argument usually when that happens it's because they have way too many emotions invested in the topic at hand um so you know, I think that whenever anybody, whether on my Instagram or otherwise, can approach me and kind of challenge one of my beliefs and then can logically back it up because I'm going to ask questions. I mean, I, I don't I'm not just going to change my mindset without questions. But if somebody can can can, uh, you know, not argue me down, but just essentially give me enough data to, to change my mindset, I'm fully and, you know, fully and completely willing to, to do that. And I wish more people were like that, but I've, I've noticed that a lot of people are just very intertwined with their beliefs. And you're not really, when, when you're questioning their beliefs, you're not really just questioning the belief, you're questioning their ego, you're questioning their pride, you're questioning all the emotions that are intertwined with it. Well, I think CrossFit is full of Google MDs. Facts. Completely and utterly full of them. I can't tell you how many people reach out to me and, and start blowing me up with things they've read on Google and them, you know, that they've researched, they've quote unquote researched. Sure. And, you know, they've never checked the source and don't know yeah. where it's coming from. And yeah. it's just, you know, data's king. Like, yeah. yeah, if you give me the data and prove it to me, sure. I'll, I'll discuss with you all day long. Don't sure. just give me some random Google or, you know, article, article you pulled up and <laughs> said, well, this is fact. Yeah. You yeah, know? yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and, you know, we don't have to get into this too much, but you discuss it a lot. Give me the 30-second version why I should buy a Tesla. Uh, I don't know. Uh, it's it's a superior vehicle, I think, to uh, to, to, to gas cars. Um, but I think, you know, even outside of that, for, forget that, forget um, Tesla. I would just say electric cars, period, are superior to gas vehicles. The one... Achilles heel that they have and have had in the past and will become less and less of an issue with time is range. Um, usually in the past, it was less than 200 miles of range. These days, it's over 300 miles, uh, uh, up to four, I think 412 miles right now is the, is the max range. But, you know, obviously they're better for the environment, but I think you need more of a motivation than that for most people. They're absolutely quicker. 
they require less maintenance. I mean, I have 30,000 miles in two years on mine right now, and all I've done is refill the windshield wiper fluid. Um, How much uh, do you love it, though? Do you, love, do you just love this car? I mean, I'm a nerd, so I've that, any, anything that's nerdy, I love. I'm, so, trying, yeah, I'm trying to talk myself into buying one. That's why, like, you're, you're one of the few people I know that has one. Oh, okay, okay. And the, you hit it right on the head. The thing that keeps me from getting one is the range. Yeah. Because I'm such a nerd, I'm like, I look at it, I'm like, oh, that display is beautiful. Oh, mm-hmm. the interior is beautiful. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, it'd give me all the data I need to know about where I'm going and what I'm doing. But I drive a lot. That's what I was about to ask you, John. What is the average, the average American, what is the daily commute of the average American? Well, see, I, I, I work remotely. I have 17 branches at a bank. And so I'm oh, going, wow. I don't work out of a central office. I'm like constantly going from branch to branch. Oh, wow. So I'm, you know, I'm putting, you know, 25,000 miles on a car a year. You know, Jeez, so. So you are way over the average. Yeah, I know. It's a bummer. Like, that's how many like, miles are you driving a day on average? Um, it depends. It's it's probably not more than. I mean, it's certainly not more than the four hundred. It's you know, it's less than a hundred mm-hmm. for sure. Mm-hmm. Like, so the daily range wouldn't be a big deal for me. It's like, how do I make a trip like this? How do mm-hmm. I come to Madison? How do I go see my parents in Mississippi? Like, where do I stop to fuel like, you know, or, to, or to charge? You <laughs> all, know? Right, all right, let's talk about that. So I drove here from Denver, Colorado. It was a 17-hour car trip. Tesla has um, approximately 23,000 superchargers, if I remember right, around the United States. So you don't even need to think. You literally get in the car if you're in Denver. or Well, now we're in Madison, Wisconsin. So going back, I'm literally going to type in Denver, Colorado, and it'll tell me exactly which supercharging stops to to hit along the way. A supercharger stop can be anywhere between five minutes to 30 minutes, depending on how much you want to fill up the battery. However, one thing that I've seen that a lot of people seem to think in their head is, oh, when you stop at a to, to, to get charged, you want to charge 100%. That's not true. Most uh, Every electric car, not just Tesla's, every electric car is very much like your phone in that your phone charges quickest from 5% to 80%. If you've noticed, your phone lag, like there is a, it slows down considerably from 80% to 100%. And uh, uh, that there's, there's, a good, um, there's a good reason for that on a, on a microscopic scale uh, when, it, when it comes to electrons and filling up the battery. But essentially, um, driving an electric car from here to Denver, I'm literally going to stop at the supercharger, charge up maybe five, ten minutes, get back on the road, drive another. Um, I'm, I'm basically stopping every 200 to 300 miles. Every, every three hours, I'm stopping, getting charged, using the bathroom, knowing me, buying a bag of gummy bears or, 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 or candy if I'm on the road, because I'm usually better than that, but on road trips, I don't know what's wrong with me. Um, so, yeah, you know, it's uh, road trips are very easy, specifically in Tesla's. The rest of the field at this point, thankfully, is catching up. The, uh, the next big uh, charger network is called Electrify America, and it was spearheaded by Volkswagen as part of the Dieselgate scandal. Um, they were ordered by the judges to put a certain amount of, I can't remember how many billion dollars, into, the, into developing their own charging network. So they did just that. Um, but even with Electrify America, even with the money Volkswagen has put into building the Electrify, Electrify America uh, network, Tesla is king when it comes to not needing to plan anything, putting into the computer where you're going, and then it'll tell you, oh, go to this supercharger, this supercharger, this supercharger. So someone like you who's driving 100 miles a day, um, number one, I can absolutely tell you that you would save a crap ton on money uh, compared to gas 
uh, one kilowatt hour is about is anywhere between 12 cents if you're charging at home to 28 cents if you're charging at a supercharger. So to fill up a 300 mile range battery, it's about 12 to 15 dollars. You know as well as I do how much gas is right now. So just do do the math and compare. You are a nerd. I'm impressed. I'm oh. impressed at how nerdy you are. I mean, <laughs> are you shocked? Uh, no, I'm not shocked. It's, it, I, I, I'm feeling like this is going to turn out to be a $50,000 podcast for me, though. That's my real problem is hey, I'm going to go home and buy one. You have and, my phone number. Let me know at any time. I'll, I'll answer questions off the air for you. But, yeah, it's one of those things where monetarily people don't understand how much money they – especially someone like you. who Because right. I'm, I'm driving the Saturn American. So, so I didn't even answer my question earlier. The Saturn American drives about 25 miles uh, per day. Um, just around their home. Someone like you obviously is an anomaly. You're putting on about 100 miles. But I would argue... Uh, I would argue that it, you would actually stand to benefit more putting on that 100 miles because all of a sudden, all this money that you're dumping into gas, you wouldn't need to be uh, dumping it in. And here's the one thing that a lot of people aren't aware of. With an electric car, unless you can somehow get a gas station into your garage, you can't compete with an electric car whom you walk into your garage every morning, unplug it, it's at 100%. You can go about your day, drive your 100 miles, come back, if it's 100 miles, you probably come back with maybe a 60% battery uh, plug-in, go upstairs, eat your dinner, go to bed, come back down again in the morning, 100%. You can't, com- you, you can't have a gas station at home. You can't compete with that. So as long as you're driving less than the total range of the vehicle, I would 100% uh, recommend it. For you, John, I would recommend a Cybertruck. All right. Just so I can ride it. Yeah. Yeah, you just want to live vicariously through me. Well, yep. I can... <laughs> I'll uh, I'll give them a look when I get back. You've kind of you've answered uh, certainly the the big fears I had about yeah. going electric. So that's yeah. that's good. And the last question before sure. we wrap up: sure. Being a graduate of the Ohio State University and as someone who's from Ohio, mm-hmm. are you able to handle all these Badger fans here in Wisconsin? Nah, it's tough, they're, man. They're annoying. It is so tough. Like really the, the Badger logos everywhere, everywhere yeah, I go. It's a lot. Somebody stopped me for a picture the other day. I'm like, can I get a picture? I'm like, yeah, if we move out of the way of this Badger, like there's a <laughs> big Badger statue. I'm like, I'm yeah. not putting that in the photo. Yeah, see, and it's even worse for me because uh, uh, Dr. Fouché, who I who I love, uh, Julie, she's um, she's a uh, University of Michigan grad. Yep. Oh, so, yeah, I know. Yeah. So she's been bringing that up. The other day, she, like, stuttered you know saying the ohio state university on a on stage she, she could barely get it out um you know describing me so yeah it's uh it's okay we'll 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 be out of this area soon enough well, and maybe next year the the i think the crossfit games getting i thought i heard that cash was trying to find a new venue yeah right? they're talking about it yeah, yeah it comes up in uh, 2023 so they'll have one more year here in madison okay, and they're looking okay. other places nice yeah, I, I kind of wish I would have gone to the games in Cali when they were there. I never experienced that. I'd love to see it in Columbus. I would love it. Rogue is right there. Yes. Great facilities. I can yes. use the Ohio State facilities. Yep. They've got everything they need. Yep. Talk them into it, man. You know people. I'll, I'll You're try. You're a big deal. That would be awesome. I, I feel that. Uh, I feel that. And that would give me another reason to. I remember at, at uh, Ohio State partying in the short north area, and that was. I was med school, med school times, med school memories, but yeah, that would be awesome if it was in, in Columbus. We'll see. We'll see what we can do. We'll yeah. try and convince. Uh, who's a person to convince for that? Cash? I think it would be Castro. Yeah. He yeah. doesn't talk to me, so it's on you. We'll, we'll change that. We'll All make, right. We'll make it happen. Well, Doc, thanks for joining. I appreciate it. For you guys listening, go check out uh, its Instagram, The Fittest Doc. And uh, if you guys were in the van with me and could see his arms, you would know it's true. So yeah. make sure you check him out. 
Well, John, no. So we have to. We have to. I, I always push back. So I've been asked that on podcasts. The fittest doc is not. I think it's it's a very. I guess I didn't realize how ambiguous it was until people started bringing this up. The fittest doc is almost like a play on the fittest Nick, right? If I were right. to call myself the fittest Nick, then people would automatically be like, okay, this is a guy who's just trying to always pursue the fittest version of himself. That's all the fittest doc is. The fittest doc isn't saying I'm the. Come on. I feel like we're all about objective numbers and data. If I'm really the fittest doc, I'd be at the games. I'd be, you know, like I'd have objective CrossFit leaderboard data to prove well, it. So, well, you're yeah. a very fit doc, and I your far fitter me, and it's still impressive. So I appreciate, I, I appreciate you joining us. It's been Absolutely. a good time. Absolutely. For everyone listening, we appreciate you guys joining us as well, and I will chat with you soon. Hey guys, welcome back to the show. So uh, keeping in uh, line with our voices within the community, we are talking today with Gavin Young, who's the Senior Partnership and Engagement Manager at the Phoenix, which is a uh, nonprofit that's working with CrossFit. Gavin, how are you? Good. Thanks for having me on this morning, and um, thanks for reading the title off. I know it's kind of a mouthful. It is. <laughs> I, I feel like you need an acronym. It should be like uh, SPIM or something. They'll call you the SPIM. Can we do that? Please don't let my coworkers <laughs> hear that because they're never going to let me hear they, the end of they it. They should all call you the SPIM from now on. <laughs> What's Gavin do? Oh, he's the SPIM. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's the SPIM. So uh, good trip in, right? Yeah, I, I flew in from Philadelphia yesterday morning, and I managed to get the only direct flight from Philly to Madison, so I kind of lucked out. I was on a, an airplane just about the size of a hot dog. So, Did um, you get the prerequisite picture coming down the, uh, the escalators at the airport where you can see Tia and Justin, and I think it's uh, maybe Brooke or Catcher, and I forget which one it was. Oh, yeah. Oh. Uh, of course, like I watched everybody post photos of that picture the entire week coming in as soon as i saw it i was like well i gotta do that there you go so um you can kind of tell on the flight coming in there's always like a couple people that are either rocking their nobles or they got uh whatever gear on so you can tell everyone who's here for the event getting off the plane i drove in and every time i stopped at like a gas station i was looking for nanos or innovates or you know nobles whatever and i saw a couple i saw some lady wearing crossfit game shorts i'm like i'm headed the right way yeah yeah. We, is, we stand out for better or for worse, that's for sure. Yeah, it's weird. Every time I'm out in public and I see somebody wearing nanos, you, you just you feel inspired to just shout, what's your friend time? Or, you know, just chase them down and start talking about CrossFit because that's what we do. Yeah, we went out for uh, breakfast this morning at this really nice diner called The Curve, and it's just like a mom-and-pop shop uh, on the uh, down in Madison, like bacon and eggs, perfect stuff. And, of course, like there's somebody at the diner counter counting macros. Right, oh, of course. So it's well, a dead giveaway. Look, <laughs> Madison is crazy right now. Every restaurant I've been in since I've been here has some sort of CrossFit special. Mm-hmm. And, uh, people, you know, people, I, I'm sure the people here, it's a small little college town. It's a great little town. Have you been here before? I was here 10 years ago for a football game, and I actually had a chance to watch Russell Wilson play when he was the quarterback oh, wow. of the Badgers. So I remember... <laughs> shows how much i know i remember watching him play thinking like oh this guy's pretty good but he'll never make it in the pros <laughs> <laughs> yeah he's he's okay yeah he's okay well madison is a great little town fantastic restaurants like great food everywhere you can eat cheese curds until you gain 100 pounds mm-hmm. you know and uh but they seem to you know this is a, you know several years we've been here so the locals seem like they're tolerating us which is good and they're super nice like everyone is so nice yeah i think i mean the one upside to it is it's got to be a huge boon for local businesses, but everybody that we've talked to from restaurants to the people at the hotel, um, they're all super excited to have the community come in here. It's a really fun and exciting atmosphere, and I've never been to a more warm and welcoming community. 
than they have out here in Wisconsin. It's uh, and it's not disingenuous. It's really just the way that people are. Yeah, it's uh, that Midwest politeness. I yeah. think. Um, yeah, it's been weird. Like you know, I'm all these restaurants like everybody else hit hit hard by COVID, and most of them that we've gone into will have some sort of sign or or even something on their website saying, "Hey, we're limiting our hours because we can't staff." Mm-hmm. You know, and most of the places have been really slow and it's not a complaint they just can't staff you know it's really hard for them and uh so you know i'm sure they're they're enjoying kind of the influx of crossfit money coming into the community for sure yeah so let's talk about you guys so the phoenix uh so uh, you know i know some of our listeners will probably be uh, aware because i think we have a you know obviously a high crossfit base it's deeply engaged and so i'm sure they've seen some stuff coming out of crossfit but i want you Give us the recap or the rundown of uh, you know, maybe your partnership with CrossFit and what you guys do. Sure. Uh, so just as a brief history, we've been around since 2006, and we started out of the Colorado region of the country. And uh, early days, it was a physical space, and it was a free gym for anybody in the recovery community. All that you needed to attend was 48 hours of sobriety. And we started off as a boxing and rock climbing gym. And then over the years, we started to expand to a lot of different markets. And um, this was right around the time that CrossFit really just took off. And we noticed there's a really large population within the recovery community that also does CrossFit. So uh, we had approached CrossFit a long time ago about um, using their exercise methodology in our programs. And it became a really successful offering on our side uh, where we had a lot of people coming in, you know, 48 hours into recovery and they started learning how to do CrossFit and they became a part of the community and it really took off. Um, and CrossFit as a brand has supported us throughout the years uh, to the point now where I want to say since our inception, we've served about 60,000 individuals with free recovery programming across the country. And uh, we're currently located in a just over 20 states and I think 50 cities or 50 markets within those 20 states. So wow. we're all over the country and um, uh, our, <laughs> our affiliate name is called The Phoenix CrossFit. Uh, it's available um, directly on our website if anybody is interested in participating. Um, we're also partnering with CrossFit around this project that we're calling the CrossFit Community Center. And uh, we had approached Eric and the folks at CrossFit last summer or last fall about this idea we have a couple physical spaces that we own across the country, right. uh, one specifically in Boston and another in Denver that we posed as sites that uh, we would convert, convert into this community center model. Uh, we would run our programs out of these physical spaces, but you know, if you're walking around Vendor Village, you're going to see a lot of CrossFit nonprofits around here today. Um, you know, the Out Foundation, ATA, Barbells for Boobs. Steve's Club, Project Onyx, all of these nonprofits that use CrossFit as a way of serving the different populations that they engage with. And we wanted to become a space provider to allow all these other nonprofits an area where they could come to and run their programs free of charge. And that's what the community center model is. Uh, So someone could come by for the Phoenix program in the morning, come by early afternoon, they'll see the kids at Steve's Club working out, and then later on that night there might be like a workout for the Out Foundation or something like that. How many of these locations have you guys launched? I know you've launched a couple recently. So at this point, we've only launched Boston, and we're looking to turn on Denver later this year. And uh, if they're both successful, 
and it's mutually beneficial for us, for the brand, and also for the other organizations that participate, we look to leverage this in other markets as well, too. So uh, we're still very much in the initial phase. Um, it's only been around for a couple months, but we're really optimistic about the future of it and where we can go with it. So how did you guys figure out you had so many um, people in recovery that do CrossFit? So I can speak to my own personal background. Uh, I've been in recovery for about 13 years, and I, I don't know how many years I spent not in recovery prior to coming in, but I was never an athlete growing up. I was never someone that was a gym rat. I didn't like exercise. I never really, it didn't really uh, jive with my lifestyle back right. then, I could say. Yeah. And uh, when I first came into recovery, a lot of the other guys that I was hanging out with they would go to the gym, they'd work out together, and, um, you know, the, the fringe benefits of working out, you feel better, you look better, whatever, but the thing that I really liked about it is that I actually had a community of individuals that I was hanging out with that we were all getting healthy together, right. and it was the first time I identified with positive people around me, right. and um, I got into CrossFit maybe when I was five years sober, something like that. And I loved it from the get-go because um, I wasn't very open about my recovery back then. I didn't really advertise it. Um, I just was the guy that wasn't drinking at the happy hours when we would go right. out. But the other people that I would work out at or work out with, this was back when I lived in Chicago. I was working out at uh, Lincoln Park CrossFit on the north side. Uh, we would go out for happy hours afterwards. There was like three or four guys that I'd hang out with. And it didn't matter that I wasn't drinking because we all had this kind of like shared experience of right. this terrible workout that we just did. Oh, and then, um, sorry, this is a short story running long, but over the years I started getting into coaching CrossFit. I'd moved back to Philadelphia and was coaching at CrossFit Fairmount. And, uh, I knew a lot of people in the recovery community that I thought could benefit from this type of exercise, this, uh, style of workout. And I'd be getting, new guys that I knew in recovery and kind of bringing them to the local affiliate and just running them through workouts on my own. And then I heard of the Phoenix and what they were doing. They were launching a chapter in Philadelphia and I'd been coaching for about two years then. And I was like, this is an opportunity to coach sober individuals. It was kind of like the perfect synergy of two things that I um, so heartily identified with. Do you think it's a personality type? Like, I've, I, to some degree, is there any truth to that, maybe? Like, I've always made the kind of a running joke, but there's some truth to it to me, because no, I know my personality type, that, like, I'm addicted to CrossFit. And I, and I mean that, like, as true as it sounds. Like, yeah. I, I need to do the workout. So maybe not as even CrossFit as much as I just, I need to work out. I feel it. Like, my body says you have to go do this. I'm actually, like, kind of in a terrible physical place right now because I haven't worked out in four days, you mm -hmm. know? And, uh, you know, because I'm watching people work out, which is ironic. And uh, so I've kind of always said that. It's like, man, if I didn't have fitness, I would likely be addicted to something else. Maybe not necessarily alcohol or drugs, but like I would have something else in my life that I would just do all the time. Is there any truth to that at all? So I know there's going to be members of the medical community that are going to listen to this podcast. Right. And they're going to put their hands to their foreheads because I always butcher <laughs> the brain chemistry side of this equation. Right. But um there is something that positive that happens in people's brains when they exercise. And uh, for better or for worse, I can speak about my own background. I know that I'm always chasing a good feeling. Right. That's what got me into recovery. And um, when I do a workout, 
whether it's a CrossFit workout or if I go for a run or I row or something like that, something positive is firing in my mind. Uh, and that positive energy is something that I'm always chasing, that feel-good right. feeling. It's just naturally occurring in my body without having to add anything external to it. So, um, you know, <laughs> there is a certain amount of that for me in terms of, like, creating that positive experience through exercise that I'm always looking for. I know I also personally have to be very careful about overdoing it because in younger days I would yeah. probably go a little bit longer than I uh, should have without a rest day. Right. Um, but yeah, it's, it's a really effective tool for people to help. Um, and it's, you know, it works really f well for us in the recovery space, but you'll hear people talk about, um, you know, they get into exercise for the positive mental side effects. Is there any correlation between the community aspect of CrossFit and how it keeps people or helps people stay in recovery? Like, I just imagine, like, in the people I know that have been in recovery, you know, find, um, you know, obviously help with, you know, whether it's a therapy group or, you know, AA or going to church or, like, you know, communities that they can rally around and find kind of like-minded people. Is that you're finding a similar experience here? Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, when I was really early on, I would go to the gym by myself. I'd have my headphones on on workout by myself, and I'd leave. And oh my gosh, you've got yeah. We're, we're still in the we're still in the uh, for everyone listening. We're still in the uh, the creepy paneled van at the coffee uh, shop here, and they uh, strong coffee, and they gave us some coffee. And it's early in the morning, so yeah. Gavin and I just got real happy together. We're having some shared suffering, so it's good stuff. Yeah, shout out to Strong Coffee. Uh, <laughs> I just had a free cup of coffee put in my face, and I, it looks beautiful right now. I know uh, you lit up like a Roman candle. You got all excited all of a sudden. <laughs> it's it smells great. Yep. Um, yeah, you were talking about that shared experience. There's something about, and this happens. I mean whether you're coming to our programs or you go to your local affiliate, how many times has someone dropped in at a local affiliate? There might be this kind of like nervous energy or uh, might be a little quiet before the workout starts. But at the very end of the workout, there's a lot of high fives and fist pumps and like everything going around the room. There's a certain amount of shared experience. And I'll use the term suffering, going through a shared suffering experience together right. that kind of brings people together. That's a very strong part of what we do. Um, we're all about building community. <coughs> excuse me <coughs> building community through fitness and through this uh, shared experience model uh, one thing that's interesting to me ab about your community is how incredibly grateful they are to be a part of it like every time I've done a post for the Phoenix I get dozens of messages from people that are part of the Phoenix and I do a lot of charitable posts and most of them I don't want to say they go unnoticed because they get noticed but the people that are parts of that community don't usually reach out to me. They're just like, okay, it's getting posted. But the Phoenix is always unique to me that when I do one, I just get dozens of people, you know, pepper me with that. Is, are, is there something you guys are doing special to foster that community, or do you think it's just built into the nature of it? So a big thing for us not only is creating the workouts as a vehicle to connect people, but we're huge about stigma reduction because I think very much so in the recovery community for a very long time, it was thought of as something that we shouldn't talk about publicly um, people should kind of be like hiding in the shadows or they should be, um, you know, uh, withdrawn about the recovery. They shouldn't talk about it. And we feel exactly the opposite. Um, the majority of Phoenix staff, uh, we're all in recovery for the most part. Um, that's not to say that, you know, Phoenix is entirely recovery based. Like right. we have a lot of people who are advocates for us, but, um, our members who are in recovery are also really effective storytellers. So if I go to coach, 
a Phoenix class, not only am I teaching someone how to do a power clean, but I'll also talk about my own background. And that's a way of kind of removing stigma or removing barriers or allowing people to talk about the recovery. So that kind of shared identification helps people feel better about their situation. A lot of times when people are coming in, they feel very down and very ashamed about their background and where they are in life. And we're constantly talking about where we've come from as a way of helping people instill a little bit of hope in what's possible. And I think people naturally gravitate towards that. Like we have a lot of people within the recovery community that come up to us, but a lot of other people who are family and friends that are affected by other people's uh, recovery journey and they love and support what we do. So we put out this positive energy and people really gravitate towards it. I think it's great that, that you're helping people break down that stigma because I, I can't tell you how often I, you know, I've, I'm kind of fearless when it comes to just talking to people about what's going on in their lives, you know, regardless, regardless of what the social issue may be, because it's really the only way you can learn. Like if you, once you can get past the fear of saying, I might say something wrong, as long as you're willing to accept feedback when you do say something wrong, Right. I think it's invaluable that you get people comfortable sharing. And, you know, especially if they're comfortable saying, hey, you might want to think about this differently. I'll give you an example. I did a post this morning that I physically changed before I did it. uh, And I haven't actually posted it yet. But uh, from feedback from people within your community. So I did this meme of Matt Frazier. And I'm using the popular uh, Leo uh, meme where he's pointing at the TV screens from a movie, right? Oh, yeah. Everyone's seen it, right? But in that photo, Leo is holding a beer and a cigarette in his hand. And I photoshopped Matt's face on it. Well, Matt's sober. Mm-hmm. And so I photoshopped out the cigarette completely, and I replaced the beer with the same non-alcoholic drink, that the exact same one that Matt uses all the time in his pose. Like it yeah. does ads for them, you know. Um, because I've had feedback in the past of, you know, not putting or posting photos of drinks in people's hands that happen to be sober. You know, and and it wouldn't have occurred to me otherwise unless someone had taken the time to say, "Hey, this isn't cool." You know, I think at the same time, um, I mean, even you just talking about having to go back and change something that you did based off of learned information, people should allow each other that amount of grace in terms yeah. of how they deal with different communities because language is constantly evolving within our space. It's constantly evolving in a lot of the other nonprofit spaces as well too. And I'll honestly probably say or do the wrong thing sometimes and then someone might pull me aside and say in this situation you probably should have said x or done x right and if i'm public about owning situations where oh i didn't know i'm going to do this next time it allows people themselves a little bit of grace if they probably misstep a little bit in talking with one of these communities yeah i think it's hard for people to you know we just naturally are ingrained to not take feedback that feels negative when someone goes, hey, don't say that, <laughs> you know. Yeah. I've gotten probably more used to it because people tell me not to say things a lot, you know. But I've also worked, been working with a lot of charities and, and learning about what they do. And so I think after you do it more, you start to feel more comfortable doing that. I just, I would like to see more people getting involved to have that same kind of shared experience because you there's so much growth that comes from that, from learning about others and like, I had never really thought about addiction prior to meeting people from your group. Like, I hadn't, I mean, I knew it existed, right? Like, I mean, clearly everyone knows it existed, but, you know, I never really thought of the impact on people's lives. And what's been really impactful for me with you guys at the Phoenix is, like, seeing the, I went over and talked to your group uh, yesterday and the day before, actually. 
And it's really just like the sheer joy in their face of being part of a community. And you can see they're giving back and they're just like, they're so excited. And, and then that joy, you know, every, when I left there, I felt, I felt happier. You know, it's yeah. just, it's just, it's really a, a deep impact on the community at large. Yeah, it's kind of funny. And I don't want to get too over emotional about it or sentimental, but if you ever see someone's face after they've done like a really maybe like a strenuous workout on the assault bike or something like that. And you see this kind of expression of just relief that it's over and kind of exuberance about the, the after workout rush. Someone that's coming to our programs that has maybe a, a long history before coming into recovery, you have no idea like the road that they've traveled just to get to that bike seat right there. The, we, should, we should start a recovery group for people on assault bike. You know, yeah, sorry, you have to give it up. You got to be 48 hours off the assault bike. Never, I'll never give that up in a heartbeat. Yeah. That, that's one addiction that I will absolutely yeah. give up. I get your point, though, because I feel the same way. Like, there's always that uh, moment when you finish a workout that just nearly destroyed you. Mm-hmm. You're like, I didn't quite think I'd get through that, but I did. Yeah. You know? It's, uh, it's kind of funny, like, going back to talking about, um, like, the language piece and having it always be evolving. So we have this experience now through talking with a lot of these other nonprofits about... Um, language is being a really important tool within their space. Uh, one of the organizations that we partnered with recently is the Adaptive Training Academy. Yeah, they're great. Love they're them. wonderful. Yep. Yeah, we, we hosted a seminar of theirs, I want to say last month or two months ago uh, at our space in Boston. And the first thing that they dive into from day one is language, um, how it's a really important tool within their space, but also how it's constantly evolving. And uh, it's always evolving within our space as well, too. Like the the term or the phrase that we always use uh, is substance use disorder. That's kind of uh, how we describe addiction now. Um, so, it's, well, addiction always has this kind of uh, stigma attached to it as right. well, too, where substance use disorder um, helps remove that a little bit right. now. And we always try to lean into that in terms of how we, we talk about it. So it's funny you bring up the ATA. So uh, Logan and Alec are really good friends. Mm-hmm. And I can barely hang out with those guys. Because they have the worst sense of humor, but all of them, like they they tell jokes to each other. They're like, "Hey, you have to use this," and I'm like, "I can't use that. I will get roasted by everyone on the planet. It'll appear as if I'm making fun of you, right?" They're just like picking on each other, hand over fist. Do you, do you find similar in in your community? Do you guys is it like the same kind of, you know? Yeah, I, I think there's like there's. And this might not even just be like a Phoenix thing. This might be more something I've noticed in the time I've been in recovery. But a lot of times people in recovery will tell jokes that people outside of recovery will think like, oh, my God, that sounded like a terrible story. Like really dark humor. Very much so. And a lot of times it's a healthy thing for us to be very open and honest and try to instill a little bit of humor in our own personal backgrounds. Uh, Like sometimes I will tell stories about my life. And if I tell it, to someone who doesn't know or, or doesn't have the same experience, they might think it's it's harrowing. But if I talk to somebody else I know in recovery, we might both laugh about it. And if only because we know that we're both standing here now, and it's such a you know such a far memory or it's way deep in the past. I think the ATA members do it, or the adaptive community does it because, they, they, or at least to me. They do it to make me feel uncomfortable, which is funny <laughs> as hell. It's always funny as hell every time they do it, you know, and they just, they're, they're amazing people, all of them, to say the least. Yeah. 
So when you guys are, um, you know, building your community, how do you do the outreach? Like, how do you find people? Do they find you or a little of both? It's a little bit of both. There is a certain amount of um, grassroots through social media, but honestly, an opportunity like this to come on your podcast and talk about this, there's probably going to be people that have no idea who we are and what we do, and they're going to hear this, and they're going to put their hand up and say, you know, I would love for you to come here or come to our community. And um, it kind of segues really nicely for me to talk about kind of our expansion model because historically, the way that we've always expanded to new markets is, you know, we hire staff, we send them there, we physically relocate people to certain areas in terms of, you know, turning on a Phoenix program. And we started to realize that if we keep going that route, we're going to move too slow for this thing, especially these days. Um, so we're leaning into this model that we're calling our volunteer activation model, where anybody in the country uh, can raise their hands if they want to start a Phoenix program. They can go to our website, which is thephoenix.org, and uh, they have the ability, whether they're a local affiliate owner, whether they are uh, an L1 coach, or if they're someone that just really likes CrossFit and wants to help support a CrossFit program in their own gym, uh, we can activate them as a Phoenix volunteer remotely, and then they can start running programs in their own area, whether or not Phoenix staff exists there. And, you know, you stopped by our booth yesterday. We've had a number of people that have come over to us in markets that we don't currently serve, and they say, hey, let's talk after this is over. Take my contact info. I'm a gym owner in Louisiana or Minnesota right. or Oregon. Um, you know, we, we have a lot of conversations that are going to be happening after the games are over with people that have already put their hands up to say they want to host us and they want to bring us to their community. Right. What would you say, or, or maybe just give your thoughts around, I would imagine there are people within the community, and CrossFit's a, a notorious A-type personality uh, community, and every gym I've been in has uh, a pretty big contingent of people that they like to go out and party, they do, you know, they're drinking on the weekend, they're like you know, doing their thing, right? But they're also a very... Um, giving and loving community and I'm speculating that a lot of them would feel like I can't go help the Phoenix because I drink you know I don't have a substance abuse problem but I do like to go out and have drinks on the weekend like Nikki and I kind of notoriously will drink on our podcast even when we're podcasting together but we love to give back to charities and be a part of them and we support your charity like how would you get others that to kind of break through that mindset of going hey I can't because I'm this way I'm really glad you asked that question because that's one of the biggest questions that we get. Uh, I'll have people come up to me and say, I'm not in recovery, but my son or daughter or sibling or spouse is in recovery. Can I come support? And we say, absolutely. Our, our programs are based off of a set of community standards that we read at the beginning of all of our programs. And the biggest one is the 48 hours. So we ask attendees to adhere to that. But we're not a closed program in the idea that we're only for people in recovery. Right. We're for everybody uh, that's interested in what we do, whether they're in recovery, whether they're a supporter. All we ask is that 48 hours that they try to adhere to that. Um, a number of people that come to our programs already aren't in recovery themselves. They're just supporting the mission, and they love what we do. So um, people do not need to be in recovery to attend our programs. Yeah, great. I, well, I just I want to make sure that you know people know that, like, a community giving and being a part of organ and helping other organizations within the community and helpful to others, I think it's important. And I just, I hate the thought of 
someone feeling like they can't help others, you know, because they, you know, it's just not part of their lifestyle. I mean, it goes back to that stigma reduction thing. Like, yeah. we don't want to other our community in the way of being closed off. We feel that stigma reduction happens by people in the recovery community also working out with people who aren't in the recovery community and just support what we do. So a lot of times, if you come to a Phoenix program, there's 10 people in the program. You don't know who's there counting days. You don't know who's there counting years. And you don't know who's there because their loved one is counting time. Yeah. So before we wrap up, what do you guys have uh, coming up event-wise? Anything special happening? So we've been hosting a couple workouts uh, throughout the event. I think we're just wrapping one up over... Actually, it's going on right now over in the uh, the Assault Pavilion. Uh, but we have a big one going on Sunday at 11 a.m. And it's on the floor of North Park. Right. So if anybody has been to North Park or watched some of those events and wants to go work out on that turf, 11 a.m. tomorrow, it's a... CrossFit Community Center workout. So it's not just a Phoenix event. It's all of the nonprofits that we've been talking to about participating in the community center. It's going to be a station-style workout, and each station is sponsored by a different nonprofit. And that nonprofit was charged with coming up with the movements for that station. I think we're doing kind of like minute-on, minute-off type of thing, or maybe it's like a 45-on, 15-off. But if anybody wants to know more about our org, the other organizations that are participating, the community center model, uh, or they just want to throw down on the turf of North Park and get some pretty sweet photos, 11 a.m. Sunday at North Park. I don't know if we'll have this released by then. Ah, okay, I, I, gotcha. However, <laughs> uh, anything outside you guys are doing after the games, any you know events you're doing in Philly or other locations? Yeah, so um, if people are interested in participating, go on our website, we have a full run of our schedule of events throughout the entire country available. You pop in your zip code, you pop in your state, you pop in your town. You'll see all of the in-person programs that we have. And it's not just CrossFit. It's music events, meditation, yoga, group runs. We just started a uh, Phoenix dog walking club in Philadelphia. Uh, there's cool. a chess club. Um, there's a boxing club. There's rock climbing. So for those listening, if CrossFit isn't your jam, I don't know how you found this podcast. But yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, we have a lot of other offerings available as well, too. Well, you guys are doing fantastic work, top to bottom. I'm super excited, you know, about the, the ongoing partnership you have with CrossFit. You know, I think that uh, that's going to be a gigantic benefit to the community. And obviously, anything that Nikki and I can do to continue to support, all you got to do is ask. John, no, no, no appreciate problem. it very much, my yeah. man. All right. Well, thanks for joining. And uh, for everyone listening, we appreciate you guys uh, being here again. Go check out the Phoenix at uh, thephoenix.org and uh, get involved with that. We will chat with you soon. Uh, doing a few episodes here with just some voices from the community as people were running into and uh, interesting and notable people. And this notable guy with me is uh, Connor Young with Ample. What's going on, man? I'm just chilling. I'm happy to be alive and not have... Uh gotten screwed by a tornado earlier this morning <laughs> i heard about i heard about that tornado last night we went to we stopped at a bar late and the bartender obviously is local and he's like oh dude we're gonna have 80 mile an hour winds tonight and then someone in our group's really paranoid about tornadoes totally and it wasn't me because i grew up in the south and uh so she's like what do we do if we have a tornado i'm like what do you mean what do you do you wait for it to hit and you die like i <laughs> what do you think you do <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Suck it up. You know, you're not going to know it's going to hit. To, it's not like a hurricane. You can plan for it. Like mm-hmm. it's either going to hit you or it isn't going to hit you. <laughs> you know, which I know everyone, people listening, probably from like Kansas, are like, "This guy's a dumbass." Like you go get in a storm cellar, but 
we were in a tower, so what do you yeah, got? Yeah, exactly. I actually didn't even know, and then I slept through it, and that was great. And then realized that there was a bunch of people in the camper vans, like out at the CrossFit Games, who were just like not happy. Dude, so. they had to go sleep in the Coliseum. <laughs> yeah, I swear to God. Like I was talking to wow. uh, Justin from Morning Chalk. He's like, "Oh yeah, we had a slumber party last night in the Coliseum. Everyone had to be in there because you couldn't, you know, they couldn't camp because of the high winds." Wow. Yeah. It'll be interesting, like, how many of the athletes have, like, you know, gotten, like, totally sleep-deprived from it. And, like, well, I guess there's not there's not the individual comps today, but, like, the, the team events, like, that would really suck. Yeah, well, I slept through it, so I'm perfectly rested. Exactly, so screw everyone else. I'm mostly rested. <laughs> Actually, I'm not I'm not that rested. Funny enough, I got this Whoop Band yesterday. I don't know if you yep. use Whoop Band, but... They, I used to for a while. Yeah. yeah, well, they gave me one yesterday, and they're like, it takes four days to sync up. And I got in bed late, and we'd been out you know drinking and eating and whatever and i'm sure i was already exhausted and it updates this morning it's like hey would you like to check your sleep cycle and i checked it and it was the numbers were not good yeah. I'm, I'm sure the swoop band's like what did i get myself into with this old exactly. guy exactly it's like calibrating to your level of fitness and it's like oh it's it's not very good yeah you're in a, <laughs> we may never be able to fix you <laughs> you're in the red zone ba- yeah basically what it said so totally. well enough about me let's talk about you so um Give me your story, Connor. So you and I spoke some yesterday, but I think people will be interested to hear it. Yeah, uh, totally. You're running this company doing a, a, a meal replacement, which I thought was pretty cool. Yeah, definitely. So my story is, you know, I, I got into CrossFit when I was 20 years old. I'm 32 right now. So like early days, 2010 or so, um, in in uh, in college, I, you know, St. Olaf College, like started this small, you know, um, Competition like the the Oli Fit Games and everything, um, and then started the CrossFit right uh, CrossFit gym right out of uh, of school. So you know, ran that for a couple of years. But you know, I kind of wanted to see what the outside world was. You know, having been in the CrossFit community for a long time, and so I sold medical devices for a while. I, I majored in biology and in, in minored in environmental science. So it was like very, very targeted towards wanting to help people improve their health. Um, but realized very quickly, like, the medical system as we know it is not really the way to do that. That's more just sick care. So um, came out and, and started a physical therapy patient engagement platform, something kind of like what, what these guys over, I forget the company's name, um, they're doing that remote physical therapy right. stuff. Yeah, yeah. I, I created a company like that in 2014, um, but just didn't hit the traction when we realized, like, you know, there's really not a lot of, you know, incentive for the U.S., like medical system to actually keep people healthy um it's really just the insurance companies and so that's like a really long like sales process so i was like this is kind of nuts uh let me like sell a product that i actually feel good about that helps people's health but like you know doesn't have convoluted like you know red tape around it so you know i was at the at the time i was coaching actually in san francisco lalane fitness crossfit and you know i was also in this like hacker house of 50 guys you know all in this kind of, you know, we're all starting startups, getting a bunch of, like, money from investors, and and there's a lot of people who are really trying to, like, be their best self, um, and this is a, this is at the time when Soylent came out. Soylent is this kind of, like, meal replacement that had basically, like, slim fast type of right. ingredients created by, you know, a tech guy who's like, oh, you know, I've optimized everything, like, for nutrition science, but it's like, you've just kind of copied slim fast and marketed it towards coder bros, right. but, you know... So I had a lot of friends who were using that product and they were like, because they really felt the need. They're like, yeah, I I actually do need something like when I'm after my workout or right before, you know, work or or during the middle of the workday, like 
it's very difficult for me to actually get the type of quality, you know, calories that I need. So, um, so Connor, could you make something better? Because they were actually not feeling good. They were like literally feeling, you know, gastric distress and, you know, brain fog after drinking this stuff. So I was like, to be honest, I really don't like the, the consumer packaged food industry, you know, like plastic, plastic is everywhere. It's very much like you know, whatever. Um, but I was like, you know what? People are still going to eat pa- plastic. Uh, packaged foods like people will still do that and, and there's a real need I mean otherwise people wouldn't do RX bar or Epic bar or they wouldn't do any of the proteins um, or you cans or whatever like there's 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 definitely place for it and so I was like what if we were to do this but like do it right without the kind of marketing BS that's usually around this thing so I, I kind of started you know Ample and this was around 2016 when I, when I started the Indiegogo campaign. It was pretty successful right off the get-go. We, we broke Indiegogo's record for food, food campaign, uh, campaigns, and then we raised a million dollars from some pretty notable people. And we got in the, in the market in like 2017, so it's been going really well. Um, that said, you know, business and COVID hit, and like we, we realized a couple of years ago that we've actually needed to like pivot. You know, one of the hard parts is... You know, we have a healthy meal replacement, which is, like, pretty much applicable to damn near everyone, you know? So it's like you, you need to actually focus on who's your market, right? right. And um, because if you're trying to sell something to everyone, you're really selling something to no one. Right. So, you know, that's what, what, you know, during COVID when the supply chains were, were kind of going to crap and, you know, we were not, we were kind of flailing. We realized, you know what, let's, like go back to our roots. Let's go back to CrossFit. CrossFitters are really the, the people who, you know, have the, the highest demand for like productivity, you know, performance. And um, so yeah, over the last last six months or so, we've kind of just gone gotten back to our roots and it's been really fun. I've, I've really enjoyed, you know, um, coaching again and, you know, being an athlete myself and just being at the games is inspiring and, and freaking awesome because then you can meet amazing people like you. So Well, let's talk about the most important part of your uh, product. What's your friend time? <laughs> 219. Oh, <laughs> screw you. <laughs> Damn. That was a while. Yeah, thank you. Um, is it really 219? It you is sc- actually you, 219. Oh, I'm not. I'm not killing me. <laughs> killing me. I was pretty competitive back in like 2013, 14. I I, uh, I was really I was always pissed off because I was in the central, the south central region. Right. You know, like it, Froning's region. Yeah, oh yeah. I, I my my box was in Nashville, and I was like, I got I got 66th in the regional in regionals. And I was like, you know what? If I got any other region, I would have made regionals. Right. Literally any other one. But this was the hardest region, so womp womp. So didn't make it. But you know what? Like, I'm only 32 years old. I'm getting back into it. And you know what? Like, I think it's possible to get, to get back, you know? Right. How do you break into, um, like you said it, like CrossFitters are notorious about what they put in their bodies totally. and what they take and, and all of that. Like, how do you break into such a crowded market? Like, I... I can't even begin to tell you how many protein powders, as an example, oh I have God, at yeah. home that people send me, and they just sit on the shelf because I like what I like, uh-huh. and everyone's trying to get in. Like, totally. How do you do that? Well, I think it's, it's something that's actually unique. And so, you know, I think there's this perception that the, that, the, that, the, that the market is actually really crowded. I actually don't see that it is because there's a ton of protein powders, like you're saying, but, like, they're just protein, right? And so what we're kind of offering is more of like a meal, like protein, fat, carbs, probiotics, prebiotics, greens, you know, everything from high quality ingredients. Like, so this is not just like a, you know, do a scoop of protein, get, you know, your 30 grams of protein. It's also your 30 grams of clean carbs, your 15 grams of, you know, fat, fiber, blah, blah, blah. 
So I think it's you know actually having a unique product, um, and then and finally, it's actually the ingredient quality itself. Like that is that is hard to do, um, but I think honestly as well, like a lot of it is just trust. Like there is a lot of companies out there, and so you know there's a lot of ways to market, and and I think that's that's one of the hard things that I'm actually like if if, if I was to take off my kind of ample sales hat like I actually my, my large vision for ample is to redefine the entire food supply chain and using what, what we're using right now is actually an example of, of how to level up the supply chain so really it's it's actually hard to your point it's a very crowded marketplace all of this all this brands are basically just marketing engines and um, we all like as much as the founder story is sexy we all go to the same Expo West conference in Anaheim every year and we all go to the same like you know ingredient suppliers so like really most of the kind of pizzazz behind this you know food supply chain is kind of bullshit so you know i think it's stupid i actually think that frankly for us to be able to do our job successfully and like make the best food product possible we actually have to innovate much more than just on a brand level we actually have to go and vertically integrate our own supply chain and then actually create an op opportunity for us to go directly to the farms because really no, no company does that right now. And so that's, I think, where the future of actual food innovation is and not just, you know, oh, we've got X amount of protein on the label, that kind of thing. Right. Does that make sense? Oh, it makes sense. The question in my mind, like, everything for me is about relatability. Totally. Like, and getting in my, I'm, like, trying to envision how do you get a CrossFitter to read all that on your label or through your marketing or... Or even just through word yeah, of mouth or, you know, being handed a bottle or, you know, a sample from, I mean, like you gave me that sample yesterday and tried to roofie me out in the middle of, uh, <laughs> out, out in the middle of And then of you tried thing. to abduct me in the freaking uh, van here. <laughs> hey, th this panel van that we're recording in is sweet, dude. This thing is really sweet. So, no, like, touche. <laughs> yeah, but, you know, you think about, like, I just think, you know, CrossFitters, not just CrossFitters, anyone. Like, it's hard to get people to stop to understand the details. Oh, I know, right? Yeah, particularly for, you know, something like this where you're talking totally. about, you know, convenience and, you know, and, yeah. and you're trying to, you're f filling a, a void in their training or their, you know, their meals or whatever. Totally. And to get them to understand what you're doing is really, really hard. It is. You know, I think, I think it's like there are people who will, un who will want to and there are people who, who won't. Like, there's a lot of people who are kind of only, and I mean, yeah, sure. There's there's also the can can we get good at the 15 second ads and stuff, and like that's kind of the trivial stuff that I don't really enjoy that much. But I think I think there is a segment of the population who really does care about what they're putting in their bodies, and they actually are trying to get it right. They're trying to fun, found, fundamentally like learn. I mean, otherwise we wouldn't have a bunch of books that get bought on on Audible, right? And like we're listening to podcasts. You have a successful podcast because it's like. I think I think as long as you can kind of reach people where they're at, and, and you say, "Well, great, like they're listening to podcasts. Let's have a podcast about it." Not expect them to like do a bunch of research at their house, like when when that has to compete with family time or work time, but maybe on the commute time, like that's really the time to learn. Okay, great. We'll we'll meet people where they're at. You know what I mean? Yeah. What's interesting to me about you, though, like I get all everything you're saying, and it, it, you know, it sounds like your product has a good fit for the community mm -hmm. but what's interesting for me about you and the community that makes you different is i get the very distinct impression like you're an innovator a creator like you you don't want to work for somebody else i can't, i could not envision <laughs> in a million years you ever working for somebody else like no. you're just going to go out and create <laughs> something better different or you know or whatever like how do you balance that creativity and that need to innovate 
to CrossFit. And what I mean by that is like CrossFit to me is very structured. Very, totally. You know, you're coming in there going, here's what you're doing today, Connor. Yes. Like, here's your workout. Yes. You know, and you don't get to change it. You know, it's not a yeah. smorgasbord. You do what they tell you to do. Like, how do you balance that? Or is this, the escape, is this the escape for you? Yeah, you know, it's a good question. I mean, like, shoot, that's why I don't read. I, I don't actually own my own box anymore. Like, because right. I, I, like, that amount of structure was too much for me. Right? Like, it was, it was too much to have to coach clients in the gym. Now, granted, I'll probably do a gym in Costa Rica, but it'll probably be half gym, half right. like biohacker slash, sure. you know, psychedelic research center. Um, cause that's interesting to me. Um, but you know, I think, I think like, how do you, how do you marry the two? I mean, I think it's taking bite-sized chunks and meeting people where they're at. Right. Like, right. So what do people actually want to know? Well, they want to know how to not get injured, how to actually, you know, improve their friend time and, and things like that. So as long as I'm actually just talking to them about what they really care about, like, like two weeks ago, I did a, a seminar in a gym and it was all about how do you, how do you do inter injury prevention, you know, by fixing your posture, which you're likely not having a good posture because likely you're not engaging your serratus anterior, which I think is the most underutilized support postural muscle in the body. And so anyway, um, that's actually really important for people. So I think if you can kind of meet them where they're at, and unfortunately sometimes you actually have to kind of hit the brakes before you realize that you need to work on recovery. And it's unfortunate, but, but it is the reality that like people are the most receptive to change when they're, when they're injured, right? When they actually, when they get sick, when they are like, shoot, you know, something in my, in my skill set isn't working. And I actually, in order to achieve the results I want, I actually need to like be self-reflective on how I'm recovering, how I'm, you know, preparing and, you know, to do it right that time, right. you know? How do you balance as someone who creates something and you can, you're managing it kind of start to finish until it's, it's probably not perfect, mm -hmm. but for you, it's as perfect as you can get it. Like you control that process, right? How do you balance that with doing something that you can't beat? And control. Like oh you my God. Like you Dude, can't, you've you got can't, the best questions. You can't beat CrossFit. Mm -hmm. No one can. Fra Frazier couldn't. Froning couldn't. Like mm -hmm. They got real close. Mm -hmm. But it all, CrossFit always wins. I don't think we need to beat CrossFit. You know? Like, I don't think... I think there's a partnership. I don't... I'm not trying to even... Even, like, with competitors and stuff, like meal replacements, I'm not really trying to compete with people. I think, really, the, the thing is more just, like... Can you find enough people who, who vibe with what you're talking about and who, who you know, are, are into the same goals as you? Because I'm not, I'm not debating against CrossFit, and, I'm, and I don't, you know, you know what I mean? Well, no, what I mean by that, though, is when I say you can't beat CrossFit, I mean, you're not, like, you have, you know, God forbid, a 219 Fran time, <laughs> right? And maybe you can get it down to sub two. Yeah. I don't know. But at some point, you're as good as you're going to get. Yeah. And somebody else is going to be faster than you. Yeah. Like, as you, I, I hesitate to call you a perfectionist, but you're certainly an A-type personality, oh, totally. right? 100%. And, and you like to get things to its perfection mode. And cross, you can never perfect CrossFit. Totally. Like, how do you handle that emotionally, knowing you'll oh, never be able to do yeah, that? Yeah, you know, that's a good question. So, I mean, I've let a lot of that go when I, when I got injured several times. Um, and this is one of the reasons why I was like, you know what? Um, what, like I, I've, I've kind of reset my goals personally. Um, like I want to improve my myself. Sure, I, like I have I have lifetime snatch goals of two seventy five, for instance. But like I'm not there yet. You know, maybe two thirty or so. <laughs> but like I think I think if I can kind of just have my own goals, that's fine. But really, what I've kind of shifted to is more of a kind of collective type of vibe to say, okay, well, what does the community need from me? Like less about Connor's performance, but saying what does the community need? Well. 
I see a lot of injuries. I see a lot of like people who are kind of they get and actually also their emotions get in the way when they when they get injured, when they get you know, when they hit the wall or, or they're plateauing or whatever else. And so like I've spent the last two years really dialing into my own emotions and I've I've actually looked I've found that all of those kind of sticking points in my own life um, are really, really quite awesome opportunities for me to relate to someone else when they're going through their own journey. You know, like, it's, it's, it's unrelatable. Like, you're all about relatability. It's unrelatable to, you know, talk to a person who's like, hey, just, just be like me. I'm perfect. You know, yeah. it's like, fuck you, dude. Like, you're, right. you know, I, 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 I have no relatability. But if I can say, yes, I've been in exact that same, like, position. I've also had, like, a big, you know, low back injury that, like, sidelined me for a year. It really does suck. How do you get back? And ta- not just, like, emotionally, but tactically. How do you use, you know dry needle therapy or cupping or some of these other like you know modalities that actually crossfitters not are are not all that well informed about there's there's a lot of modalities healing modalities that like we could be improving on um and i think that like there are some some real leaders in this industry like uh ben greenfield um is not really directly into crossfit but certainly like a biohacker i think that there's a lot of leaders like that who are kind of helping to you know, get get the community, his community, to like really, really level their own game up. And so, I want to do the same right. for the CrossFit community. I think that's great. And uh, I think the thing that's interesting about you, Connor, is like you know, you're obviously an innovator and and someone who likes to create. But you said it best: you're filling, trying to fill a need mm-hmm. within the community. And I think that's you know, mostly what I wanted to bring you in to talk about today. So I appreciate you joining and. Uh, before we wrap up, where can everyone find your product? Yeah, sure. So amplemeal.com, just Google Ample, we'll, we'll be up there. We've got um, our low-carb product. It's sort of, um, you know, keto-friendly. It's high, you know, high protein, low carbs, you know, 400 calories, uh, either single-serve bottles or canister. We've also got, we're coming out in, in the next month or so with a higher-carb recovery product. So it's higher protein, higher carbs, lower fat, um, really good for that. Both of them have fiber and um, probiotics, prebiotics. And electrolytes. Um, so yeah, so just just Google us on Ample, um, and um, yeah, you can find us there. How's it mixed with vodka? Good. <laughs> you know, we, we actually have. Uh, <laughs> I would say vodka is not the, is not no. bad, but but I would say that whiskey is better. Oh okay. Um, well, that's good because I mostly drink whiskey. I know. So that you know, a little bit of whiskey and a little bit of um, coffee is actually a hilariously good combination. Okay. Regularly, but just coffee in general, cold brew, you know, milk, water. It's all it's all great. All right, well, I'll, I'll mix some with some whiskey later. Just and not I'll... that new Glarus. That, that beer does not taste good with it. So. All right. <laughs> All right, well, thanks for joining, Connor. Appreciate it for everyone listening. Thanks for joining, and we'll chat with you guys soon. Sounds good. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah.